the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Nope, that's not right. That is not live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. Live from our spare rooms as another day rolls on. Happy Thursday to you, Kath. How are things in the spare room? Uh, They're fine. Mike is the only one live from Mm. the Salem studios. So it's kind of true. Kind of, yeah. One third. If so, yeah, if something's one third true, though, that probably means it's not true. No, it really it's doesn't. more not true than true. Right. However, the spare room does. Right. I, I think it works. It does yeah. provide, you know, a shelter for me. Yeah, I'm happy to be in the spare room. Mm-hmm. I mean, as opposed to can you imagine you couldn't have done a radio show without the stuff that we have now I and mean, all these things congealed together. Right. What would we have done if this was know. 10 years ago? I don't know. We would have been shouting to each other. We would have had open windows and like Mike would be holding like, you know, a long cup with a string between us. Right. Well, maybe it's just, you know, (laughs) the, the virus for the age, right? The right virus at the right time. If there is such a thing. Yeah. I don't think there is, but we appreciate you trying. (laughs) Just trying to be positive. You know, I I believe that people though, generally, would you say uh, this is just me, my observation, people are generally optimistic. Yes. Right now. Yeah, People are feeling that spring is going to usher in new openness. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to have the vaccine. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of movement. I think people are planning travel. I think yeah. people are like thinking this is thumbs up. Yeah, people's heads are up. People are much more chatty, more willing to engage in conversation. So we're turning the corner here. And right. I think, you I feel know, good about it. Very nice. Okay. So do you feel good about the news stories for today? Um, well, I'll be honest with you. The first two are kind of long and the second two are kind of short. <laughs> I don't know if that means anything. It doesn't mean anything. No, it's a, little, it's, it's a little preamble. I don't look at news stories as long and short. All right. right. Just okay. But as we always do, if we get underway with the show, the news stories, please give us the top four at four. All right. Since you asked. Mm, I did. Thursday, March 4th, 2021. Number one. The Biden administration's plan to raise the cap on refugee entry into the U.S. It's off to a rocky start Mm, mm. with the State Department canceling the flights of more than 250 refugees scheduled to arrive in the U.S. over the past two weeks. Remember, remember Trump was the president everybody had to hate because of his immigration policy. Okay, let me go on. According to the Wall Street Journal, the administration notified Congress of its plan to raise the limit on refugees admitted, and the State Department, which coordinates refugee flights with resettlement agencies, booked hundreds more plane tickets for refugees as part of, you know, they're expecting that these people are going to arrive. But the president has not issued a formal document increasing the cap, which typically comes within days of that notification to Congress. So it prompted the State Department to have to cancel the flights Mm. for 264 refugees during the past two weeks. 
It's interesting. I mean, I'm sorry. Let me just interject. When you think about refugees entering the country, I don't really think about them flying in. I I didn't either. I mean, that horrible story yesterday about the refugees, you know, commandeering a a SUV and breaking through the fence and then all the deaths. And that's kind of how how you think about it, right? Right. Well, anyway, that's right. So that's number one. Can I move on to number two? Please do. Thank you. Terrific. Barely a year ago, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo was the man of the hour. You remember that? Mm. He was lauded for his handling of the coronavirus pandemic. He won an Emmy. And described by more than a few Democrats as a better candidate for president than Joe Biden. Mm. But today, beset by scandal, he's fighting for his political life. The Washington Post reports that in his first public statement after multiple allegations of sexual harassment, including two former aides, he appeared chastened and sounded repentant. Words normally not associated with Governor Cuomo. Now, his fall from grace, John, has been a quick one because back in March or April, he was called America's grown-up leader. Democrats swooned when they saw him at his daily briefings, which included lengthy monologues, all carried live on TV. And as you said, these sessions were regarded as must-see TV and even resulted in him getting an Emmy for his performance. Who gets an Emmy as governor? He did. Last fall, Cuomo even published a memoir entitled, quote, American Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the COVID-19 Pandemic. The full story of his handling of the crisis was, of course, not fully known when the book came out. Rebecca Katz, a Democratic strategist who worked against Cuomo in his latest gubernatorial election, said, quote, he wrote a mission accomplished book before the mission was accomplished. Number three. First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt did not get to experience becoming a Barbie in her lifetime, but she will soon enter into the Barbie world. Yes, yes. USA Today reporting today that the former First Lady has become the newest doll in the Inspiring Women series, which features Billie Jean King, Rosa Parks, Maya Angelou, and Sally Ride. All have been introduced to inspire young girls to be anything. How about that? As Barbie. Yes, there is an Eleanor Roosevelt Barbie. I can't tell you how many Barbies I had growing up as a kid. I mean, I had five sisters. I had so many Barbies around the house. Mike, that could explain some things. I don't even know. And number four, PNC Park, John, keeping its name on the stadium for another decade. According to the Trib, the Pittsburgh Pirates and PNC Bank announced a 10-year extension to their naming rights deal to the stadium. Financial terms not disclosed. As part of the agreement, the PNC Park logo will be updated throughout signs on the stadium. And that, my friends, is your top for very good very good okay uh, it's funny you bring this up uh, eleanor roosevelt because yeah. now my wife at her work she has want to listen to audiobooks yes she'll be alone and she'll be working well probably for the last i don't know three weeks or so she will come home every dinner time and tell us the amazing life story of eleanor roosevelt i mean she'll go into detail she was like this a major Eleanor Roosevelt geek. We'll all sit there and nod our head and she'll just go on and on about one incredible event or story after another. So all of a sudden now you put the cap on this. Holy smokes. Mm-hmm. Did she know about the Barbie? She did not. I'm going to tell her dinner time. <laughs> well, please give me credit for the top four. Oh, I, I definitely will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you know about Eleanor Roosevelt? Probably not. We don't know a whole heck of a lot. I didn't know these things. My wife was telling me about Eleanor Roosevelt. I'm um, really, really an amazing woman. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go. Did that book on tape that my wife She's in her in her Barbie. Um, she's wearing sensible shoes. Well, I mean, the Barbie thing, that's I, I, I would imagine like American Girl, right? Those dolls, that's more suited to Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, but those are babies. 
The, well, oh, yeah, I mean, they're, right, well, right, 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 they're, right. it's weird. They're, they're like shaped like baby dolls, but they're like older girls. It's they're dressed little, up as, yeah, it's a little yeah, yeah. confusing. They're dressed up as older girls. But Eleanor Roosevelt hanging out with Ken? I don't know what to say. I, I just don't. I feel like she would dominate him in most areas. You know, you're talking about intellect. You're talking about just force of character, writing she's not, ability. All that. She, plus, she's not going to go surfing. She's not going to be a stewardess. She's got not gonna like that that Ken van. No, you know that van he had. I mean, it's Eleanor Roosevelt, for goodness sake. Well, it's fascinating. Okay, all right. Okay, now I guess I should mention that we Big Ben finally signed a contract. Fine. Okay, you want to hear what the terms are? Sure. No surprise, right? I, and to be honest, all the naysayers, look, this is the end of Ben's career. Uh, uh, am I happy? I'm happy. Sure. He's back. Fine. I think I, everyone well, should relax, and I think maybe we should stop talking about it like 24 seven. Well, we're talking about it right yeah, now. Yeah, I know, but that's just because he signed the contract. It's yeah. news. Are you ready? Okay, so next year he's going to make 1.075 million in his what? base salary. Yeah. Was he supposed to make like 19 million or? But don't 22? you worry, because his signing oh. bonus is 12.925 million. Oh, so that's cash. Mm-hmm. That's, that's cash. And does that count towards the so-called salary cap? I don't know. I don't either. Okay, don't so then, signing, what do you you know about that, Mike? I don't. I don't. I don't. Think I think it's signing, beside the point, right? Because it's not money on the books; it's just a bonus. I think right? that's, that's what right. I think it is. I think so. Right. So then, this is probably it. Is it a one-year contract? One. Yes. This is it. We're all going to say goodbye to Ben. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be cool, like Jerome Bettis, like they won the Super Bowl for oh, Jerome? Well, of they came back like and they John won the Super Bowl. Boom! Like, yeah. right. All right. Chances anyway. that are slim. Hey, come on. Are you a fan okay. or not? Yeah, you did watch the team this year, right? I did watch the team. They went 11-0. Okay, the salary cap is affected. Yes. The bonuses oh, affect the salary cap because they are included, but they can be uh, – Prorated, prorated. Oh, see, that's the Pro- problem. Oh, right. So over several, kicking right. it down the road. Got it. Wouldn't it be nice to get a twelve million dollar bonus? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can count on one hand the number of bonuses I've ever gotten. Period, and none of them had a million after them. Twelve mil. All right. Okay. Well, that's thanks for bringing us up to date with all the news, Kath. Uh, let's that get underway. Help. We got a big show for you today. Lots of guests joining us on Zoom. Oh, three out of four guests on Zoom. So how yeah. about you log on to Facebook right now so you can watch the show. Facebook Live, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. You can add your comments there if you have any as the uh, show unfolds. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, what are we talking about? We're no talking Glaze. about being religious and salvation, the difference. That's what Reverend Bill Glaze from Bethany Baptist Church in Homewood wants to talk about. And so that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first. Eleanor Roosevelt and Barbie, they are one. I wonder if he knows the Eleanor Roosevelt news. Ask him. 101.5 WORD. The station with Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music every weekend. With the best new music. New, new, new music. Help is on the way. New from Toby Mac. Believe for it from CC Winan. And Amen by For King and Country. All the people say. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD. On the weekend. Hi, my name is Tanya Ettinger, the Pittsburgh wedding planner and your luxury event concierge. Oh my, do you have to plan your wedding yet again? You don't know how many guests you're allowed to have at your wedding? Do you have to wear a mask or not? Your venue's not calling you back? It doesn't have to be that way. 
I am pandemic on-site protocol certified, and I'm the solution to your wedding problems. At Weddings of Pittsburgh, my team and I will make your dreams come true. We attend to your every need so you don't have to lift a finger or worry about anything. Relax, leave the stress behind, and enjoy the adventurous experience that my magic will provide you. Go to WeddingsofPittsburgh.com, fill out the contact form, and enjoy the wedding you've always dreamed of. Tanya Ettinger with Weddings of Pittsburgh. Let's make magic. Where can you find Pittsburgh's most affordable hand-built mattress? Only here at the Original Mattress Factory. At OMF, we've been manufacturing our mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them factory direct for 30 years. We use the highest quality materials because we believe our customers deserve the best. OMF offers a better quality mattress at a better price compared to the mainstream brands. Stop by your local OMF location to see the original mattress factory difference for yourself. When you're shopping for a new mattress, knowledge is power. That's why transparency is at the heart of everything we do at the Original Mattress Factory. All of our mattresses are hand-built and hometown-made. And our factories are open to the public, so you can see exactly how we make each product. While the mattress industry often makes shopping confusing on purpose, the Original Mattress Factory shows you exactly what we're made of. Visit your local OMF location to see the Original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. Your business is ready for a reboot. A recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. The changes haven't been easy, but there's help. The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We can design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. You let him try violin because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. The Reverend William Glaze is with us from Bethany Baptist Church in the Homewood neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. Pastor Bill, good to uh, have you with us. How are you? Hey, I'm blessed. It's always good to be with you guys. Thank you. Yeah, Bill. always good to hear from you, Bill. Now, before you leave us, we're going to ask you about both Ben Roethlisberger and Eleanor Roosevelt. That's just so, a little. That's just a little tease for later, Bill. Okay. All right. Uh, sounds like a plan. <laughs> all right, but let's start here. Um, so, being religious, um, what do you think that means? Where, what does that mean to you and, and the people that you interact with? Well, you you know what? Uh, when I first uh, came to Christ, uh, you know, people, uh, when I was growing up, all right, so I, I'm going to tell you something. All my congregation knows this, right? So they give me a hard time. Oh. Uh, my nickname growing up was Bunny. And, Bunny? Uh, Wait, yeah, Bunny, Bunny as in rabbit? And, yeah, but uh, you know what? I was actually born the day before Easter, and my grandfather oh my uh, named me Bunny. Uh, so I love that it. I love stuck. it. So, yeah, so everybody knew me by that. And so when I got saved, you know, the thing that people were saying is that Bunny Glaze got religion. And, mm. and you know, uh. I, I thought, you know, at that time, you know, that, that was a pretty good statement, you know, until I actually began to think about, you know, what does it mean, you know, to be religious? And, and I've been doing a, a study in the book of James, and, and James talks about religion, and he talks about uh, pure and undefiled religion. 
But when you look at the word religion, you know, it means ceremonies. It means rituals. I mean, that, that word religion uh, in the Bible, that's what it means. And I remember I got into a discussion with a guy one time, and I was telling him that every religion is man-made. And he was saying, well, no, nah, you know, James talks about religion and that says, you know, it's, it's from God. And I was saying, no, you know, religion is not from God. If, if you look at every religion, uh, it was started by somebody. And, and think about this, that a lot of the, the religions or dom- denominations, if we want to call them this, they all started because of some issue. You know, I, 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 you know, I heard a story about uh, a church that split. And the, the, the church that split, the people went across the street from the church that uh, they split from. And one Sunday morning, uh, the one church that uh, the, the initial church, you know, they were singing, you know, will there be any stars in my crown? And the church across the street was saying, no, not one. No, not one. And so when you when you think about, uh, you know, just how, you know, religion, religion started, you know, they all started because of, uh, you know, Somewhere there was a problem. Now, there were some that were founded, you know, for certain principles. Uh, however, that, you know, when, when you think about the Salvation Army and how, the, how, how that started, you know, it, it actually started because, uh, uh, you know, William Booth, had, you know, was trying to bring people off the street, you know, to, to the uh, church that he belonged to, and the people didn't want the people off the street. And so actually, you know, there was a problem, and it started out of that. And so when you really think about religion, you know, they, you know, they're all they were all started by man. And, and, you know, when you go back to James and James used the word religion, you know, he's talking about, you know, some ritual, you know, some set of rules and regulations. But I, I love the fact that now James, you know, he puts in front of that, he says, pure and undefiled religion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you want to use that word religion, you need to have some qualifiers. And so, you know, God, when he, you know, if if we want to attribute God to starting a religion, then we have to say that God's religion is pure and is undefiled. And and, and so God figured that, you know, man could not get this religious thing right. So what did he do? He sent his son who was perfect. He sent his son who was without sin. And his son actually started not necessarily a religion, but he, he started a faith. You know, he started you know, this whole idea that, that, you know, Christ, the, the son of God, who was perfect in every way, you know, uh, unlike, you know, when I, when I think about the Baptist religion, you know, I'm, I'm a Baptist and, you know, uh, the Baptist religion was started by a man too. You know, I, I tell people that, you know, I'm, I'm Baptist born and I'm Baptist bred. And when I die, I'll be Baptist dead. So, you know, I, I, I think about, you know, the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm Baptist and, and I, I take a lot of pride in being Baptist. I say, if you're going to go to heaven, you might as well go first class. So, you know, I, I take a lot of, you know, pride in being Baptist. But the fact yeah, is, is that uh, the, the Baptist faith was started by a man, and it started because of issues. So, you know, we, you know, I, I have a hard time, you know, when we use this word religion, because, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely man-centered. Okay, so Bill, so what about when Jesus, you know, said to Peter, hey, you know, you're going to be the rock that my church is built upon. I mean— Jesus was he talking about religion there? No, he I, he was actually talking about you know the, the faith, and I, I know that uh, you know some people you know look at that and say that you know Peter was was given certain rights and keys uh, at that time. But you know when when you look at what Jesus was saying, and, and I know there's a lot of controversy as to what he was saying, 
Uh, some people say that he was telling Peter upon your, your statement of faith. You know, what did Peter just say before Jesus said that? He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And it was after that that Jesus, you know, said that upon this rock, and a lot of people you know, uh, believe that the rock was the statement that Peter made, you know, that, that Jesus was the, the son of the living God. And so when you, when you look at that, you know, that, again, that was not uh, a religion that was being started. You know, that was actually a faith, you know, that, you know, coming to Christ, having, putting your faith in Jesus Christ, the son of God. So, yeah, that, you know, that's, that's an interesting uh, question right there. And I, I believe that it was uh, 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 Peter's profession of the faith in Jesus Christ. That's good. We're talking to Reverend Bill Glaze, Bethany Baptist Church in the Homewood section of Pittsburgh. Okay, so um, do, does that distinction between being religious and having a faith, does that mean anything to people outside the church, or are those just like weird Christianese words? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think that most people outside the church, that whenever they look at uh, a Christian, that one of the things that they say is that, you know, that goes a religious person. So, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. that they, they see it as being, you know, religion. And, and, and to me, I mean, I guess that's their way of processing it. But, you know, we as believers, you know, we need to see you know, a deeper concept with, within that. And, and the fact that, you know, our lives have been changed. You know, when, when you look at a religious person, you know, uh, again, you know, the word religion, according to James, is, you know, outward ceremonies, you know, and it's very easy to, you know, I, I get up on Sunday morning. Well, now since COVID, it's, it's, it's a little bit different, but, you know, tr- traditionally you get up on Sunday morning and you get in your car and your neighbors see you going to church. And so, you know, their thought is that, well, you know, they, hey, there goes a religious person, you know, they're going to church. And, and and the fact is, is that, you know, they may be right, you know, that's, you know, I may just be going through the motions. You know, I, I may just be, you know, going through the ritual of, of going to church, especially if there has not been, you know, a transformation of, of the heart. And, and, and it's very easy, you know, when you look at the Bible, look at the Pharisee and the publican, you know, when they went to the temple to pray. You know, the Pharisee said, Lord, I, I thank you that, you know, I fast and, and I give to the poor and I pray. And, and, you know, so there was all these religious uh, acts that he did, but there was no heart transformation. And, and the publican, he wouldn't even lift, lift his eyes up to heaven. But, he, you know, he kept his eyes to the ground in all humility. And he said, you know, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. So I think that you see a stark contrast there, you know, between a religious person and a person that has connected with God. But. Bill, when people said, you know, that bunnies got religion, they didn't mean that as a knock, right? They meant that as a positive thing, that something that had happened in your life that was good, that there was a change, that you had found God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, from their standpoint, uh, that's, you know, that's what they saw. And, you know, and I, and I guess, you know, to some degree, you know, there, not to some degree, but there had been a change in my life. And the things that I, that I did before that, you know, I was no longer doing, and I had actually, you know, adopted a new way of life, you know, which involved, you know, uh, being a part of the kingdom and, and doing things that outwardly, you know, showed that there was a change. But thank God, you know, there was an inner transformation also. And, and so, you know, I think that, you know, people that look from the outside and they see a change, you know, do they really, can they really make the distinction you know, that, that this person just changed, you know, their habits and their and, and, and the things that they did, or was
that they're really a heart transformation. And so, you know, I, I, I you know, I think that, you know, from their, from their standpoint, you know, it, it's a good thing, you know, that, that I got religion, but, you know, was it a, a transforming religion or was it just something that I started doing from, from the outside? William Glaze, Bethany Baptist Church in the Homewood neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. Bill, you know what? Um, I've been thinking about you a lot this month, and it uh, does not pertain to religion or salvation. It pertains to wings. Uh, <laughs> last time you were with us, I think it was like right around the Super Bowl, and we were talking about wings. And you made the reference, well, I- I'm going to go do, uh, uh, you know, around Homewood, backdoor wings. And right. I-, I mean, I love that so much because – you know, um, wings aside, there is something in the community, obviously, right, in the black community that's different than my community because there is this sort of backdoor thing where there is a handshake or a conversation that is not part of the mainstream. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I have – we're not meeting now, but uh, – I. You know, I have a fellowship of a of a group of pastors from the suburbs, and uh, you know we would get together at different locations, different churches. Uh, there was about five of us, and I was the only black guy in the group. And so we would all bring our lunches every you know every time we got together. <laughs> and I told the guys one time, I said, "Hey, you know, this time you know I, I, I'm going to treat." And so I got some wings from the hood, man, and uh, and and we had those, and, and those guys loved them, man. I mean, they <laughs> they just absolutely loved them. So That's yeah, fabulous. you know there, there, there's something uh, a, a special spice that they that they put in and and flavoring and seasoning that just uh, makes it uh, as, as I as I heard somebody say and, and John I'm not saying this disrespectfully right no they say they taste so good they make you want to go slap your mother so that's how good they are <laughs> <laughs> that's Bill Glaze all right Bill with only a minute left do you want me to ask you about Eleanor Roosevelt or Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I'll take Ben Roethlisberger for $20. There you go. (laughs) All right. Ben Roethlisberger signed a contract. He's going to make $1.07 million in base salary, but don't you worry because he'll get 12.925 in a signing bonus. Is this a good idea or a bad idea for the Steelers? Well, you know, I think that overall it's a good idea because they're making a statement that this will probably be it last year. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I'm like you. I think I heard you say earlier, Kathy, uh, all of us would like to get a $14 million bonus at some point, mm-hmm. or $12 million, yeah. whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I, nice. I think that the state, yeah, I think the statement that's being made is that, you know, this is, you know, Ben's last year. And after this, you know, we're going to move on. And, you know, For we sure. think, you know, we, you know, he had a great career here in Pittsburgh and he's probably going to enter into the Hall of Fame. So, yeah. yeah of course he is. Yeah. It's uh, good. Bill, just one more thing as you leave. Uh, so, uh, Bunny, as a young boy, do those who love you and know you still refer to you as Bunny? Yeah, they do. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, when I first came to pastor here in Pittsburgh, my aunts uh, came to church to visit one Sunday. And we had the yeah. tradition where we let people stand up. And my aunt said, I come to see uh, my, my nephew today, Reverend Bunny. So, uh, yeah, they... That's awesome. That is so awesome. That's really good, Bill. Love you. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Bill. Thanks so much. All right. You guys have a blessed day. Yeah, you as well. Reverend Bill Glaze, Bethany Baptist Church in the Homewood neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. Take a quick break. Come back. Uh, What about the Capitol Shaman and his organic menu that's now being served? 
Talk about I got next. smart about mortgages. Now it's my house I go home to. I got smart about credit cards. Now paper or plastic has a whole new meaning. When it comes to your money, whatever you want to get smart about, you can find it at smartaboutmoney.org. Smartaboutmoney.org is a free online resource from the National Endowment for Financial Education. We're an independent nonprofit foundation dedicated to helping people just like you get sound information about money. Smartaboutmoney.org. It's the easy place to start when you want to get smart. Well, by now, you all heard me talk about my pillow and how it's really a great, very comfortable pillow. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape, and they're made in the USA. Now, for a limited time, my pillow is offering the premium my pillows for the lowest price ever. You can get a queen size premium my pillow for twenty nine ninety eight. They are regularly sixty nine ninety eight. It's a forty dollar savings. Kings are only five dollars more. All MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code WORD. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets, or call 800-391-0954. Use promo code WORD. Or right now, MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com. Switch to T-Mobile for business and get up to 90 days of service free via virtual rebate on your business plan. You get a great deal, the largest 5G network, and first-class benefits like Microsoft 365 on us. It's better for business and only with T-Mobile for business. Limited time offer. Stop in-store for details. Plus taxes and fees for some plans. Virtual Express MasterCard within eight weeks of receipt of valid submission. Complete port within 60 days. See T-Mobile.com for 5G devices, coverage, and plan details. Christchurch at Grove Farm invites you to our Men of Steel series on Wednesday evenings this Lenten season. We have gathered a powerful lineup of some of Pittsburgh's most prominent pastors to lead us through an evening of praise, prayer, and a focus on the Psalms as we seek God in the weeks leading to Easter. Join us as we hear from John Guest, Jay Passive, and Bishop Joseph Garlington, Rock Dilliman, Ed Glover, and John Nuzzo. To access these teachings and information on how you can safely attend in person or online, head to our website, ccgf.org slash Lent. Today's forecast calls for clear skies, slight winds coming out of the Northeast, and customized car insurance from Liberty Mutual, so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers, and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. Tonight will be clear and breezy. We'll see a low tonight of 19. Tomorrow, breezy with sunshine and patchy clouds. Expect a high tomorrow of 37. Tomorrow night, mainly clear skies with a low of 24. Saturday, a mix of clouds and sunshine. Saturday will reach a high of 36. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Special diets for prisoners based upon their religious practices are in the spotlight after a a request granted by a shaman who was jailed in the Capitol riots that he be served only organic food. 
Jacob Anthony Chansley, the shamanic practitioner who entered the Capitol during the January 6th riots. Of course, we know this image wearing horns, a coyote tail headdress and face paint had asked the D.C. Department of Corrections for, quote, traditional food that has been made by God. Now, the jail chaplain denied the request, saying, quote, upon entering the D.C. Department of Corrections institution, you have not identified your faith belief, the chaplain wrote. We are unable to find any religious merit pertaining to organic food as the diet pertains to shamanic practice. So a recent Department of Justice report on the rights of uh, prisoners to practice their faith says that while any group can be affected by policies that prohibit religious exercise, the unsurprising reality is that complaints about violations are most often raised by members of religions other than Christianity. Mm -hmm. So then after the denial, Albert Watkins, who is a St. Louis attorney who is representing Chansley, filed an emergency motion in federal court seeking sustenance for his client. Oh, my gosh. The motion said that uh, the 33-year-old's shamanic belief system requires non-organic food that would act as an object intrusion into his body and cause serious illness. Now, shamanic beliefs... Uh, apparently uh, talk about a connection to the underworld that have the power to heal the sick and communicate with spirits. So says the motion. uh, So according to a February 2nd motion, he had not eaten for more than a week. He lost 20 pounds. So a new ruling that was uh, reviewed last week says that he can uh, continue now to have organic food because dietary regulations exist for Muslims and Jewish inmates. Okay. All right. So that falls under the heading of you've got to be kidding. Organic food. Get out of here. So Come if you're a federal on. inmate, you can eat better than myself and my children. Right. Because you're going to eat and organic food. And my children. Right. I, I okay. Know. So I'm with, I'm with the original, uh, who was he? The, uh, the original cleric who was in charge of the, of the DC prison system. No, he was, he like, was the, look, yeah, the chaplain. The chaplain chap- said, yeah. we're unable to find any religious merit pertaining to organic food right. or your diet under shamanic right. practices. Exactly. He was the one who knew what he was talking about, right? right? Which was basically his way of saying, get over yourself. Well, this is, the, so it opens up a whole thing, right? I mean, anything's going to go. You're going to get people who are going to go, I'm religious, so I'm right. on the Pop-Tart diet. Right. Or I have to, I can only do Mike and right. Ike's. Right. Oh, I wouldn't do that. That'd be okay. That actually sounds like a pretty good diet. <laughs> yeah, right. Can we advocate? That could be the ride home Mike diet. And Ike's. But I would like to have red Mike and Ike's and green ones. Right. But red on Monday. Right. Green on no. Thursday. Otherwise, it interferes with my shamanic I mean, it's kind of funny. It sort of sounds like a, a rider for rock and roll acts. Right? Yeah, it does. It's like, it's like, you know, Barbara Streisand used to get mad at people because they looked at her in the eye. Right. Yeah. So uh, maybe we can't look at the guy with the horns in the eye either. And yep. it'll disturb his occult practice. Here's the deal. Uh, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, she would not eat organic. Eleanor Roosevelt would also not tolerate this type of tomfoolery. No, she would not. I can tell you that, which is why that woman's got her own Barbie. That's right. Okay, let us take a quick break. Sai uh, Gart is with us in just a few minutes. Sai is a biochemist, biochemist who uh, came to faith late in life. <laughs> He's going to talk about origins and specifically human origins. That's next for Pittsburgh's Christian Talk Word FM. So ride home with Johnny Cappy. 101.5 WORD. Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. 
That's the beginning of what Dr. J. Vernon McGee calls the good news out of Revelation 14. Good news? Well, you might be wondering how the hour of judgment can equate with good news. Well, join us this week on Through the Bible as we find out. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. Mortgage commercials are rarely exciting. So to make it slightly more interesting, here are my nieces to do it for me. So interest rates continue to drop like my sister's baby teeth. Come on, Uncle Ryan had to say the same thing last year. That's true. Last year, it was rates are boring talk historically low. And now this year, there's somehow even more boring talk historically lower than the previous boring talk historically low. Sounds boring. But for so many listeners who just haven't wanted to deal with it, refinancing right now could save you massive amounts of Lego sets. Rates have gotten that low. Some borrowers could potentially save hundreds monthly and tens and tens of thousands over the life of a loan. And if you didn't put 20% down before, some could even stop having to pay PMI. Give Uncle Ryan a shot. We are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Hi, it's me, Marsha, at the Springhouse. Did you know Easter's springing up on us? And quickly, too. Do you know what that means at the Springhouse? Well, first of all, it means you can enjoy the freshest, tastiest fried or baked cod every Friday night on the farm. It also means it's time to call and order your Springhouse Easter goodies. Our hickory-smoked hams are extra special. We use only real hickory wood from the farm to slowly smoke these old-fashioned treats to perfection. Order a whole or half, and we'll send along cooking instructions, too. Mmm, how about Springhouse scallop potatoes and homemade applesauce to go without ham? Finish off your meal with a from-scratch Springhouse coconut cream pie or custard pie or a chocolate log cake. Oh, and you can even decorate your table with our adorable bunny breads and eat them too. Easter also means our annual Springhouse Easter egg hunt and Palm Sunday feast. Check us out at springhousemarket.com for all the details. Celebrate this most joyous holiday at the Springhouse in 84, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degree programs and certificates. Perfect for students with full-time employment pursuing a seminary education. Learn more at pts.edu. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. If you'd like a smartphone that's really smart, download the OnePlace.com app, the app that will inspire your faith daily and provide answers to the biggest questions of all. OnePlace lets you download your favorite pastor's programs and listen even offline or in airplane mode with easy connections to your Bluetooth speaker or dashboard. To download your free OnePlace app, visit the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store for your Android device and search for OnePlace. That's OnePlace. How does a scientist who spent decades without any faith come to Christ and have his life changed totally? Well, Cy Gard is with us. Cy's a regular guest on our show. Cy's a biochemist who has taught at NYU, the University of Pittsburgh, and Rutgers. His new work is called The Works of His Hands, A Scientist's Journey from Atheism to Faith. Cy, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's terrific. Actually, we're we're meeting with Cy on Zoom right now. So if you'd like to watch the show on Facebook, then log on to Facebook, The Ride Home with John and Kathy, and uh, you can watch the show happen. All right, Cy. So um, 
origins. Uh, you, you know, this came up yesterday in a very short fashion on our show. And I said, this is probably the single most contentious issue um, that we've experienced in the, you know, almost 12 years that we've been on the air. Um, people feel really, really, really certain that they understand the mechanism by which the cosmos was created. Right. Well, it, it's a fascinating subject. I, when I was on the verge of thinking about you know, if I should believe in God or not. I remember having a conversation with a friend who was a Christian, and I said to her, um, you know, science can explain everything, really. Why do we, you know, why do we need to have the concept of God? Probably everyone has heard that argument. I didn't make it up. And she said something interesting that really got me thinking. Uh, And in fact, I devote a chapter in my book called Origins, what she said was, well, there are several things we don't know, and that includes the origin of the universe, the origin of life, and the origin of people. And I argued with her for a bit, but when I thought about it, I realized she was right. We don't really understand scientifically the origin of the universe. We know there was a big bang, but we don't know how that happened. We certainly don't understand the origin of life, and that's something I'm, I'm actually working on. Uh, theoretically, I'm doing theoretical research on that. And the more we look into it, the harder it is, and the more less, uh, I should say, the less likely we, we're going to come up with an answer. And when we talk about the origin of humans, you know, we, we can talk about, I think I've mentioned this before on the show, we can talk about people evolving from other primates, but that doesn't explain everything there is to be human. In fact, that's what we talked about last month. There's there's so many things about human beings that are completely unique, unusual, and, and, you know. And when I started looking into the Gospels and looking into the Bible and thinking about Christianity seriously, I I came across this idea of Imago Dei, you know, (laughs) built in the image of God, and that had a that had a real strong effect on me. And and when I started thinking about, you know, God as the creator, uh, that I'm not saying this is instead of a scientific explanation, but there may not be a scientific explanation for these origins. That's what I'm starting to think Mm. about. We may never find them. So Cy, much has been made this past month about, you know, the uh, expeditions to Mars. We're going to try to find life on other planets. And, you know, maybe that's never going to happen, right? And you think about God has ordained life here and life here alone. So how do you even begin as a biochemist to unlock any of those mysteries, especially now with your faith together hand in hand? Well, I mean, I, I personally am a skeptic about extra about ET, but not because of my Christianity. I'm, I'm a skeptic scientifically, and I always have been. And that comes from pretty much what you just said, John. The biochemical and chemical problems that exist to explain the origin of life are overwhelming, and they're not really well understood by I would say not only lay people, but even scientists in other fields. I, I, I have astronomer friends who say, well, there are so many billions of planets, there must be life elsewhere. Frankly, there shouldn't be life even here. Hmm. The existence of life is a complete mystery because there is no good explanation how 
even the chemistry that was needed. I don't know if you know James Tour or have heard him speak. He's a chemist who's talked about the, the chemical difficulty with coming up with an origin of life. My specialty is, okay, let's say we get all the chemicals. We have amino acids and sugars and lipids, and maybe they form polymers. There are still so many obstacles to understanding how that could have happened. And it's been 60 years we've been doing this research, and we're not mm. getting very close. We're just not getting close enough. Mm. So I, I don't know if it's impossible. I think maybe that we will at some point find a way that life might have, have have developed or emerged, because that's the word you use when you talk about origins. Yeah. You talk about emergence, which doesn't really tell you anything. <laughs> it just tells you there was suddenly a big change and something new happened. That's what emergence is. And we don't know. So if, if, if scientists, you know, okay, 60 years, that's not that long of a time, right? But, you know, 100 years, 200 years, 500 years, man's mind exploding and solving mysteries. I mean, if man can't trace back to the very beginnings, I mean, that's not necessarily a black eye for science. But you would think that many no. scientists would look at that and go, well, we can't explain it. So then there has to be a God. Well, that's one approach. I mean, I, I believe God created everything, whether he used, you know, magic or he spoke it into existence or he used some scientific thing. God is the creator. That's my belief. Yeah. And we may come up with answers for all of these things. But I tell what I strongly believe, and I say this to other scientists, friends of mine, I strongly believe that we're going to have to find different tools to use. And we're going to have to use tools that have so far been forbidden in science, like teleology, purpose, things that so far have not been used. We're going to need that. And that's all of that is going to be a pointer, not proof, but a pointer of God. Well, that's interesting. Dr. Seigard is with us. He's a biochemist who's taught at New York University, the University of Pittsburgh and Rutgers University, author of The Works of His Hands, A Scientist's Journey from Atheism to Faith. Okay, so that's interesting. So we kind of started out you know, talking about origins, you know, John went to the, to the, the cosmos end. I was thinking of the, you know, the particle accelerator end. Um, you don't seem very hopeful about either uh, mode of inquiry. Um, so talk about, I mean, are scientists really going to be able to talk or not able, of course they'll be able, but would they be willing to talk about origins with a, you know, bringing teleology into it? Very good question. And I'm hopeful that the answer is Yes, there is a very, in biology at least, there is a very famous physiologist in England named Dennis Noble, who is not a theist, but is now talking about we have to bring teleology in because all organisms have a purpose. Sorry, wait a second, pause, because people who don't know this term, define that term so we can all be part of that. Teleology is is a philosophical term, which I just learned myself recently, uh, that refers to purpose. In other words, things happen because something, somebody wants them to happen. And that it's easy for humans. We have purposes, right? I mean, I'm here because I have a purpose of, of talking to people. Uh, but it turns out that all living things have, have purpose. And all living things, they're not slaves to their DNA and their genes. They're not slaves to the environment. Even bacteria, believe it or not, I, of course, can't go into details now, but even bacteria can sort of engineer things to happen to their advantage. It's incredible what life can do. Hmm. And we need to incorporate that into our general view of biology. And I think that will 
definitely been a, a progress. Yeah. Well, that's interesting to imagine because that's kind of, you know, it, it's attacking the question from a different side or at least bringing in a different arm to reason with. Right. Exactly. Hmm. All right. Sigart's with us. Uh, the book is called The Works of His Hands, A Scientist's Journey from Atheism to Faith. Um, did you get in fights about origins with people, Sai? Not serious ones. Um I, I got into fights when I was a kid, but those were real fights. <laughs> so nothing since then has been too bad. And uh, we have arguments, but it's interesting how much, how many people are now, I believe, starting to come around and think this way. Yeah. Okay. So then, Sai, then to, to put a cap on this, human origins, it's kind of up in the air, whether it will be discovered or not to go back to the beginning. But essentially, it really doesn't matter because we're here and we know our purpose is to love and know God and to be part of that. Yeah, exactly. All right, Sai. Well, listen. And if we don't find out how it all happened now, we'll find out eventually. Yeah. Hey, where are you calling us from? Where are you talking to? Where are you right now? I'm in uh, Rockville, Maryland, outside okay. of Washington, D.C. And uh, COVID or not yet? Do you have a COVID shot? I've had both my shots. Fabulous. My wife just got her first, so. And the second okay. shot, were you okay? Did it make you sick? I got a little sick, but not too bad. And now that you've had the shots, psychologically, emotionally, has there been a change? Big change. Very wow. relieved. Wow. I'm not a young man. Let's put it that way. Wow, that's wonderful. <laughs> so I'm, I'm quite relieved. How about you guys? Nothing yet. Listen, Sly, we got nothing here. Pennsylvania is not <laughs> distinguishing itself in the vaccine rollout category. No, we're, we're down in the no list. Sly, yeah. <laughs> si, always a pleasure. Very interesting. Thanks so much as always for joining us. Great seeing you guys. Okay. Yes. Sly Gart, the works of his hands, a scientist's journey from atheism to faith. Take a quick break. Come back. We're going to talk about the, um, oh, Listen to this. Well, we'll talk about that in a bit. Stick around. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith, and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject, and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Schedule a personal tour at any of their three North Hills campuses and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshares. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, well, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, founder and CEO of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sounds crazy, right? Well, the crazy thing is this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-881-4242. 800-881-4242. Are you an Allegheny County senior feeling lonely or isolated due to the pandemic? The Allegheny County Senior Companion Program can help. 
Senior companions are volunteers 55 and over who will call you once or twice a week to check on you and see how you're doing. Those with computers or devices such as smartphones can do video chatting if desired. There's no cost to you for this service, and applying is easy. Please call 412-350-4061 to apply today. The pandemic has caused families to spend more time in close quarters than ever before. But if you're noticing an emotional distance between you and your child because of their drug or alcohol use, you may not know where to turn. Partnership to End Addiction can help. With free guidance, support, and resources, we work directly with families and communities across the country to help save lives. And we can help you, too. To end addiction, start with connection. Reach out to us at drugfree.org. The Pittsburgh Airport Area Chamber of Commerce is ready to help you with the 100% free-to-use Clever RX app. Access prescription drug savings on thousands of FDA-approved medications at pharmacies nationwide and beat your copay over 80% of the time. Visit the Pittsburgh Airport Area Chamber now to learn more at paacc.com slash cost dash savings and never overpay for a prescription drug again. That's paacc.com slash cost dash savings. buy you happiness well oh, the people who do studies and of course there's studies that are done thousands every year probably millions a new study finds that it just might but it probably won't change how you feel about other people mm. i'm reading from uh something called studyfinds.org that apparently people who earn big money feel good about themselves but their money doesn't make them care more about other human beings Study authors explain that how much money a person makes can determine whether they feel good or bad about themselves. These feelings are called positive or negative self-regard emotions. Those who bring home the bacon are likely to experience positive emotions, including confidence, pride, determination. Others who struggle to make ends meet tend to experience negative emotions like sadness, fear, and shame. Now, a person's feelings towards others like love, anger, empathy, compassion are not altered by money researchers say. Mm. The effects of income on our emotional well-being should not be underestimated, says Dr. Eddie Tong, who is the study's um, uh, major um, guide. Having more money can inspire confidence and determination while earning less is associated with gloom and anxiety. The study carried out over 162 countries involved 1.6 million people. Wow. Okay. So if I become incredibly wealthy, that'll help me, but it won't help me be nicer to you guys. <laughs> See, I was kind of banking on that. Yeah. That hey, Kath, remember us. Hey. Yeah. How mm-hmm. you doing? And you'd be like, snub. No, no, no. I would, I would think that, you know, the way you feel, do you think that you would, I don't know, this is again one of those, right. all of a sudden a rush would come to you of cash. How would it change you? That's the fear, right? I mean, People nobody, go, and, people go crazy. Every, everybody thinks that it wouldn't change them. Oh, come on. How could it not? Everybody think, no, I think 99% of people say, no, it wouldn't change what? me. I mean, I'd be, well, I'd be wealthier, but it wouldn't change me. The people who are really smart about human nature and honest about themselves would say, oh yeah. But wait, if you were empathetic and compassion before money, I would think that you would be. Yes, happy. I would think so too. Right. But the, but becoming rich is not going to make you that way. Like having an excess of cash, which is what the study is saying, does not make you compassionate. Well, you would think that if that was the case, that, you know, if you came into that, other people would come around you 
<laughs> who would, you know, instead of having their hand what out. What kind of world are you in? Well, I mean, I mean, that, look. That's for that, the very small number of people that go to churches and are in a small group and invest themselves personally well, in other no, people, people who come, know them. They would that's say, hey, the look. the majority of humankind. Let's do good for the, you know, a great amount of people. Let's, let's right. instead of, do you need another boat? Do you need another guitar? Do you right. need another motorcycle? I'm I don't think so. I'm telling you, those people telling you that when you're wealthy are going to be hard to find. I don't know. Well, it's an interesting study, right? I mean, yeah. you know, you feel good about yourself if you got cash. If you don't, then you don't feel good about yourself. But empathy and compassion, right? They're not brought on by money nor encouraged by it. No. Anyway, a study. Okay, talk about the Pennsylvania Turnpike next. Very surprising news. Can't believe it. The 5 o'clock hour, the ride home with John and Kathy. We are Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. The Word FM app at wordfm.com. iHeart, tune in, and on radio.com. In the car or at home, too. At 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The Pentagon is reviewing a police request to keep National Guard troops patrolling the U.S. Capitol for another 60 days following evidence of a possible plot by a militia group to storm the building again. Meanwhile, guard troops and police on high alert. Alabama Governor Kay Ivey extending her state's mask order for another month, but said the requirement will end in April. A powerful magnitude 8.1 earthquake has struck in the ocean off the coast of New Zealand, prompting evacuations and tsunami warnings across the South Pacific region, It was the second large quake to strike within hours on Friday. Stocks lower on Wall Street as bond yields made another upward spike, renewing pressure on high-flying technology companies. The Dow dropped 346 points. The Nasdaq fell 274. This is SRN News. Well, by now, you all heard me talk about my pillow and how it's really a great, very comfortable pillow. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape, and they're made in the USA. Now, for a limited time, MyPillow is offering the premium MyPillows for the lowest price ever. You can get a queen-size premium MyPillow for $29.98. They are regularly $69.98. It's a $40 savings. Kings are only $5 more. All MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code WORD. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets, or call 800-391-0954. Use promo code WORD. Or right now, MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com. Hi, my name is Tanya Ettinger, the Pittsburgh wedding planner and your luxury event concierge. Oh my, do you have to plan your wedding yet again? You don't know how many guests you're allowed to have at your wedding? Do you have to wear a mask or not? Your venue's not calling you back? It doesn't have to be that way. I am pandemic on-site protocol certified and I'm the solution to your wedding problems. At Weddings of Pittsburgh, my team and I will make your dreams come true. We attend to your every need so you don't have to lift a finger or worry about anything. Relax, leave the stress behind, and enjoy the adventurous experience that my magic will provide you. Go to WeddingsofPittsburgh.com, fill out the contact form, and enjoy the wedding you've always dreamed of. Tanya Ettinger with Weddings of Pittsburgh. Let's make magic. 
Christ Church at Grove Farm invites you to our Men of Steel series on Wednesday evenings this Lenten season. We have gathered a powerful lineup of some of Pittsburgh's most prominent pastors to lead us through an evening of praise, prayer, and a focus on the Psalms as we seek God in the weeks leading to Easter. Join us as we hear from John Guest, Jay Passivant, Bishop Joseph Garlington, Rock Dilliman, Ed Glover, and John Nuzzo. To access these teachings and information on how you can safely attend in person or online, Head to our website, ccgf.org slash Lent. We are limiting the number of people in the office. It's patients and staff members only. At Stock Family Dentistry, exceptional dentistry begins with safety. We look a little different. We have more gear on, hand sanitizing stations throughout the office, frequently disinfecting all common areas. We're even using a UV light. All of these precautions are put into place for our patient's safety and our team member safety on Perry Highway in Wexford at stockfamilydentistry.com Tonight will be clear and breezy. We'll see a low tonight of 19. Tomorrow breezy with sunshine and patchy clouds. Expect a high tomorrow of 37. Tomorrow night mainly clear skies with a low of 24. Saturday a mix of clouds and sunshine. Saturday will reach a high of 36. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along today for the 5 o'clock hour of The Ride Home. Kath, good to see you. Thank uh, you, John. You you, uh, you really amaze me with the Eleanor Roosevelt Barbie doll during the five. I know. Or four it, o'clock that, hours. That's why we come. That's why you come to me as your uh, partner in the ride home. Is that I bring you this type of news? I just this is like a cultural shift, I believe. No, wait for people who are just joining us. Um, and by the way, if you missed the first hour of the ride home, you can always go to our podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. You can also uh, check the uh, Facebook Live that's always available after we're done. You can obviously watch it as it's happening, but you can also watch it later in the evening. Anyway, at the start of the show today, I did break the news that there's a brand new Barbie and it's Eleanor Roosevelt. That doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Why? But, Have you seen a photograph of it? Of the- yes. I think it's excellent. She, as I said, she's wearing sensible shoes. But is she like, you know, the tall, little slender Barbie thing? Well, she's tall and she's very beautiful, um, but she is not. Eleanor Roosevelt was not especially. I know. I, know. I, I, was, I, mean, I was wondering which one of us was going to bring that up first. Well, I will. I mean, I'm okay. not too, trying to degrade Eleanor Roosevelt, okay. but, you know, there she was. She's a fabulous woman. Yes. Did many incredible, amazing things. It's just really odd that, you know, there's this cultural collision of Barbie, well, which has thing. been. She's not, she's not super skinny. She looks like she has, you know, so some half? cushion and she's wearing like a nice, like a tapestry, like upholstered dress that buttons up the front and with sensible shoes. All right. I, I think it's a good thing. Great. I'd be kind of curious I'm all about for it. it. All right. So um, I saw this uh, about taking a drive. Wouldn't it be nice to just take a long drive today, right? Heck yeah. But uh, if you were to take a drive across the state of Pennsylvania, a recent report by the insurance website Budget Direct found that the Pennsylvania Turnpike listed its most expensive toll road in the world as ours. The most expensive toll road in the world, the PA Turnpike. The study found that it would cost you to go from end to end, 
120, I'm sorry, $112.91, nearly the 360-mile roadway, which is one of the reasons why it is so expensive. That's a long way, 360 miles. Followed on the most expensive list in the world is the Grossenlocker High Alpine Road in Australia. That sounds like it has an epic view of many things. Yes, uh, the Grossenlocker High Alpine Road. Uh, $45.43, as opposed to $112. Wow. Also, um, the Zagreb split in Croatia, mm-hmm. $38, as opposed to $112. In the United States, the Pennsylvania Turnpike was followed by the New, New York State Thruway, which is 28 bucks. The Florida Turnpike, 26 bucks. The Ohio Turnpike, $20. Texas State Highway, $19.00. And the New Jersey Turnpike, $18. $18. Again, PA Turnpike, end-to-end, $112. I mean, it's just, it's so silly, especially when you know that the Pennsylvania Turnpike, when it was started, trying to, I was just trying to look up what year it opened. Um, Probably late 30s, maybe 40s, I think. I mean, and every year, here's the thing with the PA Turnpike, they raise the rates by 6%, and they're going to continue to do that for a, lo- for a long time, for many years, every year, 1940. Yeah, it started, the, they started basically uh, like um, figuring out where it was going to go in the 1880s. They bored the tunnels. Highway of the future is what it yeah. was, right? So ni- 1940. And, you know, when it was first started, it was just going to be a short, I think it was a six-month toll. But like with every toll or tax, oh yeah. Once a government sees it, it's never going away. Now, granted, never. it does require a lot of upkeep. I'm sure it does. Oh, here we go. Right. I mean, it's yeah. Plus, I mean, every road requires a lot of upkeep, John. So yeah. why is Pennsylvania Turnpike the most expensive toll road in the world? It's long. I have a feeling. What's the Alpine thing you said? What's that high Alpine something? Yeah, I'm sorry. I closed my screen yeah. to it. Oh, wait, here it is. It's uh, the Alpine Road and us, the Grossenlocker High Alpine Road. Yeah, the Grossenlocker High Alpine Road probably requires a lot of maintenance. I'm just guessing. <laughs> but it might be 25 miles long. Okay. It still requires a lot of maintenance. All right. Anyway. Plus, they fired everyone who works in a toll booth. Right. Over the last three years, yeah. they've eliminated every one of those jobs. And if you don't have the easy pass... <laughs> Then you're paying through the nose times right, 10. Exactly. Exactly. It is a racket. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's there are many exact, times. It's just like, you know, of course, for the people that were alive in 1930, when this started, probably anybody who had some awareness thought this is not going to be six months. It's going to go on for longer. And they were right. Same exactly. thing when Ed Rendell told us that we weren't going to even need to really pay taxes anymore once we passed gambling in Pennsylvania, because all of our financial concerns were going to be over. Yeah. And now how many years later now, you know, uh, Justin Fetterman says that we need weed, right? We need legalized marijuana in Pennsylvania right. because who wants to turn down all this tax dollars? Well, I think about this all the time because my state rep lives up the street from me here sitting in his driveway. Yeah. What's his company car? A Lincoln Continental SUV. Nice. Now, is that better or worse than your own personal? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm sure he's doing a fine job, but you know, who needs like, a Lincoln Mike, Continental SUV? Yeah. Mike, if he needs a timing belt change, you think he's able to afford that repair? Oh, yeah, ah, probably. Probably <laughs> does. Anyway, sorry. Here we do, do, delving into partisan politics and it's uh, not partisan. I think uh, we're all. You know. I think it, every person of sense has the right perspective on this. All right, the right sense. Let's take a break. Come back. Hey there, lonely girl. 
Uh, we're going to talk about loneliness next. Uh, and the fact is, our next guest will say that most people are lonely. It's the human condition. WORD. Next time on PowerPoint with Jack Cram. Today, if you hear his voice, today, meaning this day of opportunity, not this just this 24 hour period, but right now, to harden your heart is to resist and rebel against the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Tune in next time for PowerPoint with Jack Graham. PowerPoint, tonight at 930 on 101.5 WORD. Have you heard? Rodents are taking over. According to various news articles, recent COVID-19-related disruptions have caused abnormal behaviour in rodents, making them become more aggressive. Don't let your home or business be invaded with a disease-carrying rodent infestation. Keep them away with Plug-in Pest-Free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-in Pest-Free. Using the active wiring in your home or business, Plug-in Pest-Free goes to work, keeping rodents and pests away the more humane way without using toxic poisons or other harsh pesticides. Just plug it in. It's that simple. Now that's fair dinkum. Stop the infestation and order yours today at gopestfree.com and receive a free hand sanitizer pen with every order using promo code PEN. That's gopestfree.com, promo code P-E-N. Gopestfree.com. Promo code PEN. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. We've all been thinking a lot lately about the air we breathe. QDOT has been thinking about it for over 100 years, providing big HVAC solutions for the commercial industry, including healthcare, where air quality is paramount. Does your home deserve any less? For affordable solutions, including their new bipolar ionizer, which may eliminate up to 99.4% of airborne viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, breathe easier with QDOT. Call 412-366-6200 or visit q-dot.com. I'm Dr. Baker, an ER physician. If you're having leg pain, swelling, or redness, but haven't talked to your doctor yet, don't wait. This could be deep vein thrombosis, a blood clot which could travel to your lungs and lead to a pulmonary embolism, which could cause chest pain or discomfort or difficulty breathing and be deadly. Your symptoms could mean something serious, so don't wait. Talk to a doctor right away by phone, online, or in person. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degree programs and certificates. Perfect for students with full-time employment pursuing a seminary education. Learn more at pts.edu. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker too. Plus iHeart, TuneIn, and on Radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. All throughout this last year, uh, untold stories of people isolated in their homes or managed care facilities shuttered away. And your heart breaks at the loneliness of people who did not have contact, perhaps maybe still don't have contact in this crazy era that we're living in. But made us, made us think about uh, our, our guest today, Charlotte Dolan. She wrote a book called The Great Belonging, How Loneliness Leads Us to Each Other. Charlotte, welcome to the show. Happy that you're here. 
Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Sure. All right, Charlotte. So you think that most people are lonely? Yes, I do. <laughs> I think um, we all experience loneliness in different ways. Um, I mean, of course, there would be some similarities depending on circumstances and that kind of thing. Um, but I do believe we all struggle with loneliness at some point in our lives. And the ways that um, we do struggle with loneliness can change based on our circumstances, our season of life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if we've moved and if we are in a pandemic, um, like there are different factors that can affect it. Right. Okay. So Charlotte, I'm I'm glad you say this because I think that, you know, most people would think, you know, um, it's just me. It's just my problem. And I remember being a kid and feeling lonely, whatever that was, and feeling, for lack of a better word, sort of ashamed at my loneliness. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that's common? Yeah, that's very common. And um, in fact, there are some studies that um, I came across while I was writing the book that showed that we are harder on ourselves with regard to loneliness than others. So while we grant permission for others to experience loneliness and understand how others might um, Mm. struggle with that, we feel ashamed. And um, that's one reason I wrote this book. I have struggled with loneliness my whole life. And um, I've discovered that the more I talk about it and the more I write about it and the more I read about it, the less power um, loneliness has Mm -hmm. over me. And that's why I want people to hopefully talk more about their loneliness. And that's why I'm really grateful you guys are doing this. Um, because I do believe the more we talk about it, the more people are like, whoa, it's not just me. So I'm not alone in my loneliness. Um, it helps to know that other people experience the same sort sorts of things. That's good. Okay, so then if I'm feeling this and you're feeling that and we're talking about it, is it just the human condition that you know, in the middle of us, somehow there is a seed of, even if we're surrounded by friends and family and we're in a crowd, we can still revert to loneliness. Yes. Um, so I believe there are different types of loneliness. I, I might've said that a little while ago. And one of the um, forms of loneliness that I struggle with the most is what Dr. Tom Varney calls um, core loneliness. And that is kind of what you described. It's this deep seated kind of soul loneliness that we all feel some of us to, um, you know, feel it more intensely than others, but it's basically um, a sort of separation from God, not, you know, I have a great relationship with God. I have a lot of intimacy with God and with other people. Um, But until I'm, you know, in heaven, I'm going to have a bit of separation, right? Like there is a separation mm-hmm. there. And um, so, you know, that's something that I feel very deeply. And I think I know others who do too. And then I've talked to some people who are like, yeah, I don't really feel it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they're just in denial. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Charlotte Donlin is with us. The new book is called The Great Belonging, How Loneliness Leads Us to Each Other. Um, so does loneliness, uh, Charlotte, have a root? Like when you say you've always experienced a sense of loneliness, is that because of something that happened to you as a child? Is that, you know, you, you think your psychological makeup? So I guess I'm asking, is it experiential or is it something that is genetic or just maybe Innate. spiritual? I think it's all of it. (laughs) Um, And that's why it's so hard to define loneliness because 
you know, it can be so many different things. It can come from so many different things. I do have bipolar disorder. So when I am super depressed or in the past, when I've experienced mania, you know, there's some loneliness that comes along with that because there aren't a whole lot of people around me who are manic. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the loneliness that comes with living with mental illness um, is also a sort of loneliness. So, um, you know, but it's important for me to, to, you know, make people understand that loneliness is not a mental illness. You can have mental illness and struggle with loneliness and you can struggle with loneliness and not live with Mm -hmm. mental illness. Um, so another way that I've struggled with loneliness is feeling very different. So, um, and I know I'm not special, like the ways I feel different, other people feel this differentness also. Um, but as we live in our differentness, we feel lonely and alone sometimes. And that can be, um, in all different kinds of ways, you know, if we don't fit in the box that say our Christian culture expects us to fit in, you might feel lonely at church or you might feel lonely. Mm -hmm. Um, even though you love your church and you love, you know, your friends at church, um, Yeah. Anything that kind of makes you feel isolated from other people or from God. Um, And you're, and you're saying Charlotte, that it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a situation you have to leave. Like you were saying, you could be lonely at church, but you still love your church or you could be lonely at home, but you still love your family. Right. And um, you know, this book isn't, you know, 10 ways to not be lonely anymore, Mm. but people have messaged me and emailed and said, wow, you know, I don't feel as lonely anymore because I'm reading about it and I'm talking about it. And I know I'm not the only one who experiences this and you've put words around things that I've always wondered what that was. Mm. And now I know it's loneliness. That's good. Okay, good. So then in some ways, I mean, it's a, it's a stretch. Can loneliness be a good thing? Yeah, (laughs) it can be. Um, Of course it can lead to suffering, but it can also, um, help us know more about ourselves and about others. It can also be a red flag. You know, if you're feeling super lonely in your marriage, you might want to talk to a therapist or get some help or talk to your pastor, you know, like I'm not saying to just embrace your loneliness and move on with life and, you know, enjoy it but it can be a companion and it can be a teacher and it can be something that we live with and accept and try to be curious about instead of running from it or denying it or making ourselves so busy that we pretend we aren't lonely. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. That's good. Charlotte Donlin is with us. Um, We're broadcasting at 101.5 word FM also 96.5 and 730 AM WPIT and live right now on Facebook. If you'd like to see and watch our conversation with Charlotte, you can log on to Facebook, the ride home with John and Kathy. Uh, Charlotte's new book is called the great belonging, how loneliness leads us to each other. And Charlotte, I'm wondering about, um, I'm wondering if you have friends who aren't believers and um, if any of them, and I, I'm, I'm asking you this question because I have some friends who aren't believers who have asked me this question, but not necessarily about loneliness where, so this is my question for you. Okay. Why are you lonely? You're supposed to be a Christian. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a good question. You know, I, I always turn it back to, there's suffering in life. There's suffering mm-hmm. in all 
areas of life and all facets of life, just because we believe in Jesus and the gospel doesn't mean that that takes away the suffering, the differentness we may feel about problems, the separation we might feel from other people who we don't, you know, we don't think we're exactly like, or that we're too different or we're on the periphery. Um, you know, those being a Christian doesn't take away suffering, unfortunately. Right. So I, I wonder, you know, this era that we're living in, I mean, I, one of my sisters, she is like off the charts extrovert. And this COVID era has just crushed her, just crushed her. Now, you know, Kath and I, here we are on the radio every day and people would have, you know, presuppose that we're extroverts. The reality is we're, we're pretty much introverted people. And, and so I'm pretty much content being alone. So even though I'm alone, I'm not necessarily lonely, but I know people like my sister who just, you know, they just want more than anything to talk to people. And I said to this to Kath earlier today, generally once a day you know, in the mornings, I take a walk in the neighborhood. There's been a change in people. When I see people now on my daily walk, instead of people walking with their head down or not making eye contact, people see something's coming. There's a change here. People, you know, who are not, who are strangers to me are going, Hey man. And they want to engage. People are so hungry after these 12 months and seeing good things coming, we're ready to break through this. I believe this is going to be like this new era of social um, activity that's going to be really great for everybody. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. And, um, you know, I have nothing against being alone. I love being alone um, also. So, you know, it's all very complex and Mm -hmm. complicated to sort out. (laughs) Um, And it all changes day to day too, probably. Mm -hmm. But I agree. Um, When we when the pandemic started and we were quarantined those first few months, we started seeing neighbors we had never seen before, right. I guess, who were at work all day. And, um, you know, we're like, Oh, who's that? And we like gave them all names <laughs> and like made up stories about them. And we didn't want to talk to them and meet them because we weren't supposed to be breathing on each other. Right. right, right, right. So um, I do, I've seen more people out. And I think once we're free, those people who have been seeing each other for a year are going to introduce themselves, hopefully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Charlotte, what I really like about your approach to this is that, first of all, it's, you know, based on a real world outlook, like you're not trying to prove anything to anybody or hide anything from anybody. And the second thing is that you've already accepted the fact that there aren't easy answers. Yeah. So it's not like a prescriptive thing. Like earlier in the conversation, listeners, if you're just joining us, she said, this isn't like if you buy her book, it's not going to be the top 10 ways not to be lonely. Yeah. But it's a good reminder that. You know, even in our loneliness, or we think, you know, we're different, or I'm suffering something that's just common to me. Most people are doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. One time or another. Well, that's Charlotte Donlin. The new book looks terrific. The Great Belonging How Loneliness Leads Us to Each Other, available wherever you buy fine books. Thanks, Thank Charlotte. you so much for being here, Charlotte. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Mm-hmm, it was fun. This is Laura Story, and I'm excited to invite you to join me, Alistair Begg, Michael O'Brien, and our friends at Salem Media Group in the summer of 2021 on an amazing cruise to Alaska. Alaska is a truly spectacular place to draw close to God. It's filled with ice blue glaciers, rugged mountains, and untamed wildlife. 
God's majesty is constantly on display, and I'm praying that he will use our time to do something truly significant in your life. Soak in breathtaking landscape as we worship and go deeper with God's Word as a compass for our time together. I hope you will join me August 28th through September 4th, 2021. Call 855-565-5519 to join us or visit deeperfaithcruise.com for all the details. 855-565-5519 or visit deeperfaithcruise.com for all the details. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. The changes haven't been easy, but there's help. The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We can design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com surroundpittsburgh.com connecting you with new customers robinson township christian school celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom knowledge and a compassion for others at the airport area's only k-12 classical christian school students grow to love learning think deeply and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation robinson township christian school now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degree programs and certificates. Perfect for students with full-time employment pursuing a seminary education. Learn more at pts.edu. This is Tim Seckler inviting you to tune in each and every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by my law firm, the Seckler Law Firm. Each week, we'll talk about your family's well-being as it relates to elder law, nursing home stays, estate planning, and keeping your hard-earned savings. And if you missed the Life and Legacy Show, you will find it archived at secularlawfirm.com. See you Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show. On your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM, Pittsburgh, at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. Tonight will be clear and breezy. We'll see a low tonight of 19. Tomorrow, breezy with sunshine and patchy clouds. Expect a high tomorrow of 37. Tomorrow night, mainly clear skies with a low of 24. Saturday, a mix of clouds and sunshine. Saturday will reach a high of 36. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Does this make sense? Does what make sense? E-books. Well, I'm I'm not a fan of ebooks. When I read a book, I want it to be a paper book. I want to feel it. I'm very tactile with my books. However, when you travel or if you want to have, you know, 50 books in one place, then I would say an ebook makes sense. It's a personal preference. To me, ebooks don't make sense. Do they make sense to you? Well, this is just really upsetting because I have to agree with you again. 
I mean, there's been very little discord between us, and I'm feeling unsettled by it. Very good. I do not like an ebook for any reason other than travel which is exactly what you said so right. when you're traveling i feel like that's the only time that it makes Preferred. sense in all the other times of your life don't you want the paper don't you I want do. to don't you want to see where it is on the page don't you want yeah. to appreciate the typeface or the or the feel of the old binding or the new cover or whatever it is don't you want that i do yeah however when i'm traveling you know what i prefer two things a people Ma- magazine magazines <laughs> Yes. Magazines and yeah. an audiobook. Oh. See, that's, I that's... I have never really gotten into oh, audiobooks. You I haven't. Really say, it's not that I don't like them. I just haven't really oh. delved. Mm. Yeah, well, next time you travel, whenever that might be, next year, whenever. Yeah, okay, I'll does this you know. make sense? Yeah. Bunny was with us on the air. He was. Do nicknames mm. make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now I did you have a nickname growing up? Uh, no. No. I had a nickname growing up. And nicknames have become, you know, sort of a little dicey here, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there used to be, when you look at, like, the history of Major League Baseball, every ball player, oh, three yeah. fingers McGoy, oh, or, yeah. you know, everybody right. had a nickname. Everybody yeah. had a thing. And they were terms of affection and endearment. Yes. Nicknames have taken a darker turn lately, right? Right. Politically. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't it be sweet? I mean, you see, when you talk to Bill Glaze, now... I'm always going to think of Bill Glaze as Bunny. I want to call him Bunny. And I love it. I know. It's a sweet term of endearment. All right. I got to agree with you again, John, because yes, I do think a nickname makes sense. It's a it's a, it's a a wonderful affirmation of familiarity. Yeah. My entire Polish side of the family, everybody's got a crazy nickname. Give me a couple of nicknames from that because I love those well, guys. Okay. So my dad was Buddy. Yeah. Uh, I had Uncle Iggy. Yeah. I had Uncle Buggy. I had Aunt Dodo. I had Aunt Bibby. <laughs> there was Joker. My grandfather. My grandfather was Shaner. Uh, I mean, none of those are their given names. Not a single no, one. No, just making it up. Yeah, like Mike just said, a good friend of mine was Booger. I mean, I don't know. Nicknames yes. make sense. One hundred one point five W O R D. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. It is the nature of a sheep sometimes to get away from the shepherd. But is the nature of the shepherd to restore his sheep. No wonder David gloried to write Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He restoreth my soul. Hear Adrian Rogers' series, The Secret of Satisfaction, this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I'd sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-707-8989. That's 800-707-8989. 800-707-8989. 
The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. Christ Church at Grove Farm and Invites you to our Men of Steel series on Wednesday evenings this Lenten season. We have gathered a powerful lineup of some of Pittsburgh's most prominent pastors to lead us through an evening of praise, prayer, and a focus on the Psalms as we seek God in the weeks leading to Easter. Join us as we hear from John Guest, Jay Passive, and Bishop Joseph Garlington, Rock Dilliman, Ed Glover, and John Nuzo. To access these teachings and information on how you can safely attend in person or online, head to our website, ccgf.org slash Lent. Let's face it, we love Alexa, and we'd love to let her find your favorite radio station. This one, of course. She could find us easier if we taught her a simple skill. To get started, simply say, Alexa, enable the word Pittsburgh skill. And after she confirms, you can then say, Alexa, play the word Pittsburgh. That's all you have to do, and Alexa will learn how to find us. You can listen to us through your Amazon Echo, Echo Show, Echo Dot, and Amazon Tap devices. Alexa, what is your favorite radio station? That's easy. Word 101.5. Western Pennsylvania, there are five Asian churches. Five. So to be honest, I I don't think about the Asian church as much. But our next guest, he's right in the middle of it all. Eugene Park is with us, associate pastor of True North Church in Palo Alto, California, host of a podcast called Off the Pulpit. Eugene, welcome back. Hey, good to see you guys again. Yeah, thank you. Eugene, we've known you for, I don't know, what, six months now, maybe? Something like that. Um, so is your church Asian American? Yeah. Um, I mean, we're predominantly Asian American. I would say like 90% Asian American. Um, and out of that mostly Korean American. Um, but yeah. And what's, what's your, what's your own ethnicity? I'm Korean American. Um, so I'm hundred percent Korean. I mean, that in itself could be like, you know, a whole nother podcast or, or episode about living that life, but that that's my ethnicity. Right. Okay. Okay. So then, I mean, we're Jesus lovers. How is the Asian church the same and different than, you know, if you went to Catherine, my church? You know, like, this is an interesting conversation because uh, it's coming more to the forefront these days, I feel. I'm in California, so I think, and I, I think being Asian American when you're in the coast uh, it is a little different because you're pretty um, – you can go your whole day in your own little bubble like a lot of us do, and and I can see – Asian Americans for my whole Monday to Friday schedule, really, you know, just, just choosing to live in the pockets that I do. Um, but there are differences within the churches too, that you don't really realize until you visit each other until, mm-hmm. you know, we've had experiences where um, some, you know, Caucasian families visit our church and they point out things where it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, whether it be uh, even the, the small things like our language, even like the churchy talk that we have, 
Um, yeah, I can't think of any specifics now, but there are differences. Um, and, and, and there are some tensions that I think are brewing that I think will clash in the future, uh, in my opinion. Hmm. Okay, tensions so, how? Yeah, tensions in the Asian American church or uh, tensions between the Asian church and like more mainstream American church? Yeah, so I, in my mind, I think to give more of a background, um, I'm Korean American. So I was actually raised in the church. Uh, a lot of my parents who are first generation uh, Korean immigrants, um, they were really, really into building churches um that were just purely korean you know they spoke korean these churches oh, yeah. and what happened is these churches that we grew up in as korean americans uh i mean my parents are faithful um and and i'm really thankful that i was raised in a christian household but for the korean uh immigrants the church was more than just a church uh it was kind of like their enclave it was kind of like their sanctuary from their monday to friday maybe working you know in a foreign land and somewhere that where they can feel comfortable and be at home, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. So with that, I think they were very isolated, um, very guarded with people. And it was just, you know, if you brought anyone that didn't speak Korean, they would have never been able to fit into that church. I think now as a Korean American second generation, um, we, a lot of us that are now becoming pastors of these, you know, second generation Asian American churches, I think we're at a crossroads where for a long time we were so, uh, you know, there's a lot of trauma from being raised in a church that's like that, uh, which <laughs> I don't know if we have enough time to get into, but I think our reaction was to to kind of dive into the white evangelical world, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Korean Americans, Tim Keller is like Moses to us. Um, we, we, we love his preaching. And it's interesting, even at his church in Manhattan, uh, when he was pastoring, he was mainly Caucasian and Asian American people in the congregations because he just spoke to us. I think now the tension I see brewing is for a lot of us, we never thought what it actually meant to be an Asian American Christian and just an Asian American in itself. And I think the realization that I've been having these uh, couple of days is I love Tim Keller. Um, I love John Piper. And, and my books are filled with people like that. But I don't really have any books or resources of people that I look up to that are Asian American. Mm-hmm. And I've been realizing um, that in my context, there are certain things that just are different um, from the things that maybe Tim Keller taught me uh, in his books, in his ministry, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. So then with within the Asian Christian community, there's no one who speaks to you from that perspective who can you know, drill down into a multi-generational. Why do you think that is? Uh, because you've sort of jumped over to white evangelical Christianity and left Korean Christianity behind? Yeah, no, that's an interesting question. And one I've been flushing out with my friends, I think there's a lot of factors. I think one is that a lot of us carry this model minority myth, which I'm sure you're uh, familiar with, mm-hmm. where we want to be, f- be able to fit in. That's, right. I think, an ethos that our parents have given us subconsciously. And I think because of that, we've always been drawn to white evangelical leaders to have all the answers. And we always see them um, platformed even more than us internally. So for example, if I'm at a conference, it's interesting when I talk to my friends, if I see an Asian American speaker, I'm just like, okay, that's cool. But if I see a prominent, maybe white speaker, I think subconsciously, I'm like, oh, this is legitimate now. Huh. And I really? think for a lot of us now, we're coming to that realization that that's kind of been impressed in our mind. So that's mm. one part of it. Okay. I think the flip side is, and this is where it gets a little bit controversial, is that in a lot of these white evangelical spaces, it's really hard uh, for Asian Americans to be part of the table and to be part of the discussion, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, I think we felt a lot that at times 
we might be used, we might be added into a panel at a conference, uh-huh. but not really given a plenary session or, or a plenary spot as a speaker. And I think we've, we've been feeling that tension too. And um, I don't know if you're familiar, there's an Asian American actor by the name of Stephen Yuen, and uh, he's in Walking Dead and recently in Minari, which is a, I hope yeah. everyone can watch yeah, that yeah. film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had a quote in, a, in an article that really resonated with me that to be Asian American is that you're thinking of everyone else, but no one is thinking about you. And I think that's actually true about the Asian American church as well. So that's mm-hmm. a garbled answer, but I hope that made sense. No, no, sense. no. I'm actually good insight. Really- I'm really glad to hear that. Um, Eugene Park is with us, associate pastor of True North Church in Palo Alto, California, and the host of a podcast called Off the Pulpit. Okay, so this is this is like really thought provoking to me. Um, and Eugene, I'm sure you're right that that it depends on where you live. So because of Pittsburgh being a tech center, being a center for medicine, and you sure. know Google's here and Amazon is here and whatever. So we have a and Carnegie Mellon is here. There's just a heavy presence of people who are into technology, and um, a lot of those people are Asian American. So we do have a large Asian American population, as John said here in Pittsburgh. Um, what's interesting though is because I've been involved in different churches around Pittsburgh, I do see that the um, there's the Pittsburgh Chinese church, right? And there's the Pittsburgh Korean church. Sure. And, um, and we don't have a whole, now we have some crossover at our church because our church um, is right. The church I go to is right on the university's campus. And so if there are, you know, grad students there or people who are doing a postdoc or whatever it is, people who are working at the medical center, they're probably going to show up at our church because of, you know, it's proximity. Yeah. So we might have some transient people, but if someone is settling in Pittsburgh, it seems that they're, and they're Asian American, they're going to go to one of those churches. And do you find that to be like similar where you are? Yeah, um, I, I do think, you know, and, and even within the Asian American sphere, there's a lot of spheres within that sphere, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned. And I, I think that is true that Asians usually, it's interesting as second generation immigrants or, or f- part of an immigrant family, um, our ethnicity, whether it's Chinese families, Korean families, Japanese families, maybe Vietnamese families, et cetera, um, we're, we're similar, but we're also raised in very different ways that it's hard to really explain sure. until unless you're kind of in it. And we're really uh, that is like one maybe downfall that we are very attached um, to that comfort level of kind of trying to get back to what we know. It's, it's a weird position for a lot of us. We're traumatized by being in this weird dual identity spot and you add the Christian faith for a lot of us Christians, it's kind of a third aspect of, am I American? Am I Korean? And a Christian at the same time, how does it work out? Um, but we kind of cling to what we know best. And um, yeah, so I think it's true that we kind of cling to our ethnic uh, comfort level. Right. Okay. So then, you know, you, you, you hear this uh, from MLK, that famous line about, you know, Sunday morning, the, the most segregated hour, right? And, and, you know, everybody thinks whenever that you hear that, oh, that's a black and white thing. It's not black and white in an Asian thing. But yeah. the fact of the matter is that, you know, that holds true. And, you know, of course, you know, um, in the news this week, and I'm sure you know this as well, you know, the, the whole kerfuffle over or Dr. Seuss, right? Um racial stereotypes of Asian Americans. I mean, again, if you're, this is, we're so far away from, you know, an epicenter of Asian life here in Pittsburgh, most people, and even despite what Kathy says about, you know, tech and whatnot, I, I think, you know, here in Pittsburgh, most white people don't know Asian people and probably vice versa, only when you're forced together through, you know, the occasion. I think occasional... that depends on where you live in Pittsburgh. I don't, I think if you live really? in the city, that's not the case. 
Really? Okay. Well, it's, well, from my perspective, I'll just say, you know, it's a rare thing, but it just feels totally segregated. Always racial issues involve white and black, never Asian and white. Yeah. I mean, it's even complicated with, and this is more in the Bay area, but it's nationwide. A lot of, we've been seeing slight media coverage of a lot of Asian hate going around. Um, there's right, yeah, elders, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. AP, API elders being um, attacked. And, and that is messy that? too. Uh, it, it's a messy situation um, because I think even as Asian Americans, it puts us in an interesting position. Um, if you talk to any Asian American, and this is probably more on the coastlines, uh, like we already mentioned the differences. Um, a lot of us were really heavy on Black Lives Matter. Um, we were understanding of that struggle that maybe other white evangelicals would struggle with because we kind of experience it in slightly different ways. Mm-hmm. But now with all this hate going on, it's, it's interesting because as Asian Americans, we have a really hard time of figuring out who we are because we do a really good job of assimilating to wherever mm-hmm. we are. And I think that's a big struggle. And even when we face racism, there's actually a fierce debate uh, within more like Twitter, very progressive Asian American spaces of how to deal with this because the perpetrators often are African-American. And for a lot of the older generations, it triggers Rodney King riots um, when Koreatown was looted. And there's heavy, heavy history between the African-American and Korean-American communities, at least in California. Mm. So it's a really complicated mess. And I think it doesn't help that especially Asian-American Christians, um, we rarely think about our ethnic identity um, to a point where we get so sucked into just kind of getting into white normativity, which might be a controversial topic, but that's one side, or others of us cling on to Black Lives Matter and more of a progressive stance. Amidst all that, we never really take a step to think about ourselves, if that makes sense, which kind of adds more confusion to this Asian American question. Yes, it sure does. Yeah. So is the, is that the trauma that you were alluding to earlier? I don't mean to, to step into like a sensitive area that we don't have time to plumb the depths of, but you mentioned being a Korean American, there's some trauma associated with that. Can you give us an idea of what that might entail or where that may have come from? Yeah, um, it's, it's, I think I could be butchering this, but sociologists often call this the, the third person problem that um, when an immigrant um, comes, uh, they have to deal with the animosity maybe between the dominant culture and their own culture. Yeah. And, and but they're, they're understanding I am Korean, and I'm an immigrant here. As a Korean American, it's really interesting, because at school, you want to be American. For many of us that grew up in the suburbs, we subconsciously maybe want to be white. When we return home, we're dealing with uh, a different language, parents with completely different value systems than our Mm -hmm. friends at school. And then when those two clash, like, for example, I was always terrified of my friends meeting my parents because of the awkwardness of cultural differences, of them not being able to speak English and just trying to navigate, you know, teenage life with all of that going on. Um, And you add in church, which... Again, that could be another episode. I would love to come on and talk about that too, the Korean church or the Chinese church. It's just so much pressure I'm growing up as an Asian American um, that, that it's just from all sides, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so then just briefly, um, the, the Asian church, for people who've never worshipped in an Asian church, I mean, there's not a whole lot of difference, is it? I mean, certainly the experience of worshipping in a black church is different than worshipping in a Caucasian church. But the Asian church, are we going to experience the, pretty much the same thing? Or, or are there stark differences? You go, whoa, I didn't expect that. Um, I, again, I think because of the problem that I mentioned, it's more subliminal that a lot of this is because we haven't thought about what it is to be an Asian American. 
But I do think there's a lot of differences. Um, I think the Asian American church that I've been to, there's a very, very heavy familial culture. Uh, so meaning that church is much more than just a place you visit on Sundays. I'm not saying that this is the norm yeah. for white churches, but church is, is life. That, that's actually a, a, a phrase I often use for better and for worse um, in the Asian American church. Um, because for us growing up, um, church was a place where we spent a lot of time because our parents found kind of safety and comfort there. Community. So a lot of those values get transferred down over. And I, I've found that in Asian American churches, there are very, very close, intimate relationships um, that, that are kind of starkly different from maybe other mega churches that I've been to. Um, but the problem is oftentimes in those churches, everything becomes politicized. Um, people get really sensitive if they're a leader or not, which is interesting because at other churches, I don't see that hmm. stark difference. Um, so that, that's kind of one difference, um, main difference that I do see. Um, but a lot of it's also subliminal that even the way we talk, even uh, even even the small things of maybe food, um, it, it's huh. interesting that even it, it, the big uh, practice in, in the Korean church was to eat a Korean meal after service, the whole church kind of in their big cafeteria. And a lot of Asian American churches still have that. Mm -hmm. And I remember my friend once told me he was visiting a white church and there was no food after. And he said, this is blasphemous. Like, this is just a weird (laughs) experience for me because that's not how do you have Jesus without my, you know, my dish. Um, So there's there's also small differences like that, too. Well, it's really good, Eugene. I, I think I speak for John. We'd love to have this conversation again. Yeah, really to, to peel this back, we appreciate it because you know you can see we're just kind of feeling our way through, stumbling in the dark. So yeah, we appreciate yeah, you know you allowing us to to be ignorant like this and just trying to find the truth in this. That's all. Yeah, I, I do wish there would be just more dialogue within the churches. Um, that's why I love talking to you guys too because you know there are differences, but I, I think yeah. learning from each other, um, from even different regions of of our nation, is really important for the church as a whole in America at this moment. That's really good. Hey, yeah, uh, just sure as a agree. shout out, you know, you guys do such a good job on uh, the podcast off the pulpit. Give it a plug because it, it's really well done. Thanks. Thanks for listening, John. I'm, I'm really honored that you do listen. Yeah. I mean, off the pulpit. I mean, it's, it's you and a few other guys, right? Yeah. And we just try and talk about things that pastors usually don't talk about, um, whether it be politics, um, whether it be how to even actually evangelize rather than just speaking nonsense to a friend that doesn't really make sense um so if you're interested in just three friends that are pastors just rambling on just stuff that we usually do over coffee um, you can find us on spotify or apple podcast and we'd love to listen very nice well eugene the moment that uh, travel restrictions are lessened and john and i get a vaccine uh what about some sunday we show up at your church wouldn't that be a surprise (laughs) hey just come on through anytime you can visit our facebook campus and get some free food from there that's what i always do (laughs) fabulous eugene thanks an awful lot eugene park associate pastor of true north church in palo alto california uh the aforementioned podcast called off the pulpit If you owe $27 trillion and you didn't have the money to pay it off, what would you need to do? Well, you need to make a lot more money, right? Well, now America's debt is more than $27 trillion, and right now taxes are at historically low levels. It doesn't take a genius to realize taxes will probably go up. Now think about your retirement accounts. Do you want to pay taxes on some of that money now when rates are lower or later when rates are much higher? Now, whether you should pay taxes now or in retirement depends on a lot of things. That's why Kirk Kenotic and Accurate Solutions Group has a free guide called You and Your Taxes to help you determine what's best for you. To get your copy of You and Your Taxes, call or text TAX to 412-515-3555. 
That's tax to 412-515-3555. When taxes go up, will you be ready? Get this free guide from Kirk Kenotic and Accurate Solutions Group now. Call or text tax to 412-515-3555. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Our firm may not give tax advice. Well, by now, you all heard me talk about my pillow and how it's really a great, very comfortable pillow. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape, and they're made in the USA. Now, for a limited time, MyPillow is offering the premium MyPillows for the lowest price ever. You can get a queen-size premium MyPillow for $29.98. They are regularly $69.98. It's a $40 savings. Kings are only $5 more. All MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code WORD. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets, or call 800-391-0954. Use promo code WORD. Or right now, MyPillow.com. Dot com. MyPillow.com. Christchurch at Grove Farm invites you to our Men of Steel series on Wednesday evenings this Lenten season. We have gathered a powerful lineup of some of Pittsburgh's most prominent pastors to lead us through an evening of praise, prayer, and a focus on the Psalms as we seek God in the weeks leading to Easter. Join us as we hear from John Guest, Jay Passive, and Bishop Joseph Garlington, Rock Dilliman, Ed Glover, and John Nuzo. To access these teachings and information on how you can safely attend in person or online, Head to our website, ccgf.org slash Lent. For kids in poverty around the world, things are still desperate. Join Compassion International with your one-time $40 gift to provide a COVID relief kit to a family in poverty. Text the word GIVE to 83393. That's GIVE to 83393. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degree programs and certificates. Perfect for students with full-time employment pursuing a seminary education. Learn more at pts.edu. This is really interesting to me, that as we speak, the Pope is on an airplane, and he is going to land in Baghdad very soon. He's going to go into Iraq. Now, um, I, I think back to 2010, when Al-Qaeda visited a church in Baghdad, visited, mm. I'm sorry, uh, they essentially murdered more yes. than 50 people. Right. And uh, because of that, so many Christians who lived in Iraq, and there weren't a lot of Christians to begin with, they were like, we're out of here. Well, this church uh, is still around. It's called Our Lady of Salvation Church. And by the the Pope arriving uh, in Iraq, the hope is that he will speak to Iraqi leaders and offer some sort of olive branch or Hmm. hope that Christians, and in in this instance, this is really interesting to think about a, a gigantically predominantly Muslim country. And then there is a very small sect of Christianity. And then within that small sect of Christianity, there are Catholic Christians. So much so that the, you know, the leader of Catholic Christians around the world shows up. And because his, his only presence demands attention, Iraqi leaders must engage in conversation. Isn't that something? I mean, it's fascinating. It really is. It really is. I'm thrilled that the Pope is doing this. I Me mean, you know, it's super just- cool. Yeah, there's just, it seems like there's been limited interaction um, with the Vatican and just, you know, the Middle East in general. And when you think of people who are believers in Jesus, who have been 
traumatized. Oh, traumatized. Traumatized by political events, life events that have that have just shaken everything they understand about day-to-day life. I mean, I think about those people and I think, you know, we're we're not worthy to be called believers like they're believers. Mm. I mean, they have totally different. Yeah. So pray for all of them. Yes, pray for peace. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.